Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. So, disclaimer, it's going to get bumpy. But who wants to have a great year? Yeah. About to give you the framework of a great year. I said a great year. Good is the enemy of great. We're looking for greatness. I told you last week, God didn't create you to be average. Create you to live above average. And then for that to happen, you got to embrace disruption. You got to embrace being misunderstood. You got to embrace your role. And today I'm going to tell you the fourth thing you got to embrace. In order to do that, I want to sh- start by reading a verse to you from 1 John, which is towards the end of the Bible. Like, go all the way to the end, like you go into Revelation. Stop before Revelation, because you can't handle that right now. Um, stay in 1 John, chapter 2. I'm just going to read one verse to you. Verse 6, 1 John, chapter 2. It says this. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. My friends, this one little verse summarizes the entire premise of Christianity. This is it. We say we want to live for God, we want to live the way Jesus did. That's why... There's a difference between being religious and following Jesus. It's not the same thing. If I'm following Jesus, that means I'm becoming more like him. And so when a a year ends, I should reflect and say, am I becoming more and more like Jesus? I should reflect on my ear to say, am I talking more like Jesus? Am I acting more like Jesus? Am I reacting more like Jesus? Am I seeing more healings like Jesus? Am I seeing more miracles? Am I being used for the glory of God like Jesus? Am I being more compassionate? Am I being more merciful? Am I being more insightful? Do I have more wisdom? Do I have more understanding? Do I have more revelation? Am I becoming more like him and less like the person that I used to be? That is the whole goal of why we're here in this place anything less than that is religion he didn't say I want you to be a good person that's just the outcome of being like Jesus right but the whole point is that we are looking to the savior which we call the leader of our lives that's what the Lord the the word Lord means he's the leader and if he's the leader then I need to know how he lived so I can live like him so I can talk like him So I can act like him. So I can do the very things that he did because he said you will do even greater things if you live like me. How awesome is that? And so we've been talking about the reveal of God. The whole purpose of the reveal is that Jesus would come and that Jesus would live a life that we should follow. He said, you look at God, look at me. Aren't you glad he didn't say, hey, figure it out. Love you, though. He's like, no, let me show you how to do this. And so after the reveal is where the rubber meets the road, my friends. It's too many people stop at Christmas. That's missing the boat. 
Because Christmas is just the tipping point. It's the starting point of what he wants to do. Right? Christmas is just him saying, hey, hey, look, I've embodied flesh and blood. Now, let me show you. So if you stop there, you miss the whole purpose. So we're going to talk about after the reveal. What do we know about Jesus' life? Because if I'm serious about Jesus, I need to know how he did it. I need to know how his life unfolded so I can have a blueprint to follow. Right? I don't want to be building this house called my life without a blueprint. Hello, somebody. I don't want to be adding, you know, random things every day. No, I want to follow a blueprint so the house can look the right way. I want you to look at my house and go, whoa, how come your house looks slanted and crooked? What happened? Well, I was just feeling it, you know, just adding things. And I think that's how a lot of people are living their lives, just randomly adding things. But you need to consult with the leader of your life to say, how did you do it? And how am I supposed to do it now? Because the reason why our lives sometimes get all jacked up is that we don't follow the blueprint. Hello, somebody. We need to follow the blueprint. That's why I don't want to touch the building. I want Peter to touch the building. He's a contractor. He knows what he's doing. And so he says, we're doing this way. I'm like, yeah, we're doing it this way. I might have some ideas and thoughts, but at the end of the day, I want to follow the architect. I want to follow the general contractor because they know what they're doing. And if they know what they're doing, I think Jesus knows what he's doing. I need to follow him so I can know. Because we live in a day and age of just adding things. Oh, that looks nice. I'll add that. I'll look, you know, it's like a spiritual buffet going on. And we skip over some of the critical things that Jesus wants to do in our lives. Because we don't like broccoli. But broccoli might be the day. Why are we fasting and praying? Because it takes discipline. Your body needs to be detoxed. Because your body affects your mind. Your mind affects your spirit. It all grows together. And if one is off, everything else will be off. That's why he said, man, don't leave him bread alone. But our every word that comes from the mouth of God, you want to be fed the right way. And so it's important in 21 days that you detox everything if you want to get the right blueprint. Can you say amen? amen. So what do we know about the, after the reveal? So I'm, I'm going to give you a quick, in a nutshell, here's what we know after Jesus was born, right? The, the, the first thing that he did, right, he was uh, dedicated. You guys can, this is your cue to go to my next slide. <laughs> Um, Jesus was circumcised and dedicated on the eighth day. That's why we dedicate babies. We want to do everything that Jesus did. Right? So he was brought to the temple and he was dedicated to the Lord on the eighth day according to the law of that time. Like, you know, circumcision for them was a symbol of God's presence with them. You can skip over the circumcision part, but you dedicate your baby. Uh, it's critical to be like Jesus. And then, and then... He was visited by wise men from the east at two years old. A lot of the Christmas stuff get it wrong because, you know, you, you see a Christmas uh, uh, presentation and it has the, all the wise men there. And it didn't happen like that. They were following the star for two years. When they got to Jesus, Jesus was already two years old. Right? And they were like, we came to look for the king. Right? And we followed the star from far. And we, it took us two years to get here traveling with camels. And they get to Jesus. And, and how do we know it was two years old? Because there was a king named Herod in the moment who was threatened by the fact that there's another king being born. He decided to kill every kid from two years and under. I need you to catch that revelation right there. That when God reveals himself to you, the enemy will try to kill it off of you. And you have to pay attention that you are in a spiritual warfare. If you don't pay attention, you think it's just life happening. No, this is where the rubber meets the road. The moment you encounter Jesus, welcome to the warfare. And I will tell you this. I go as far as telling you this. 
if your entire 2008 was smooth sailing, you might be playing for the wrong team. Because it's through rough waters that we encounter the presence of God. And sometimes it's when you're going through stuff that you actually know, wait, God is real. He's in this thing with me. And so I can approach life to the natural, you know, I don't know, good vibes only. I don't care how much you say good vibes only. We're in a war. And this, and the Christianity, my friends, church is a battlefield and it's a cruise. It's not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. So you better man your station because you're in a, in a war. And it started for him at the age of two. The enemy was trying to kill him. And you think you're just going through life. No, you're going through a warfare. Right? And then he got in trouble at the age of 12 with his parents. Because they went to the temple and, and they couldn't find Jesus on the way back. Now, before you call DCF, uh, Mary and Joseph, you have to understand, this caravan was huge. It was like hundreds of people that would travel together to go to the temple, and they did what happened at home alone. They counted everybody and somehow <laughs> missed Jesus. And you thought you were doing bad with parenting. I got good news for you. If you know where your kids is right now, you're doing better than Mary and Joseph. Like, if you know where your kids are right now, you're on your way. Yeah, well, sometimes parents, you're hard on yourself. Hey, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Tell yourself that next time you're having a hard time at home. It's like, hey, I'm doing better than Mary and Joseph right there. Like, I didn't lose anybody today. At least today I didn't. But he's in the temple, and, and they're like, where were you? So we'll get to that in a second. I want to come back to that. He got baptized at the age of 30. Now, why 30? Well, you have to understand in the Jewish tradition, ages mean something. 12 was when you come into adulthood. You do a bar mitzvah, right? And basically, you become a man. 30 for them is when you come to the age of maturity, which is really funny because if 30 for them was the age of maturity, what is it now with the millennials? (laughs) Third is the new 52. (laughs) Come on, I'm joking, millennials. Take it easy. I'm just, just joking. 12 is like 22. (laughs) So maturity levels have changed over the years. Um, but he, he gets baptized at 30, and that was the introduction to his ministry. He spent three years in ministry. He died at the age of 33. Okay. So my question today that I really want to wrestle with you is, what about 18 years between 12 and 30? There's a massive gap there that we don't know much about. You know, it's like, man, what did he do from 12 to 30 years old? Did you know this? We only know... 10% of Jesus' life. When you do the math, we only know 10% of his entire life, and we're supposed to be like him. In other words, all we know is the highlights of Jesus' life. What about the other 90% is what I want to spend my time with you on today, because I think there's a lot here to unpack, my friends. About these moments that we don't know much about. We call these, these years the hidden years. And could it be that God purposely hid them to make a point? My friends, majority of life happens in the hidden years. But we have a tendency to focus on the highlights. But I'm here to present to you this morning the reason why Jesus could have such a powerful 10% of life that we're still talking about 2,000 years later is because he did something in that 90%. Yeah, 
There's a book that I want to recommend to you. And unfortunately, I just heard, I got a text saying that it's already sold out. I talked about it this morning, 9.30. That's what happens when you don't come to 9.30 service. <laughs> but this book right here, I, 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 if you can read one book in 2019, read this book. It's called Anonymous. It's about Jesus' hidden years and yours. Because remember, it's about becoming like him. And I want to present to you this morning that majority of life happens in the hidden All of us, at some point, feel like no one's paying attention to us. The holiday season is one of those seasons when you feel alone. You feel like, man, I'm going through life alone. And maybe you're in a transition. In a time of transition, you feel like, man, does anybody care? Maybe you got a new job and you're the new person in this new place. And you're like, man, no one knows me. And it feels lonely. Maybe you're new to this church, even though you're not new to church, but you're like, man, I'm, I'm here, I'm new, and, and no one seems to know what I've done and could do, and, and all of us are going to have these transition moments in life, and, and, and these moments can feel very lonely, and it can feel very uh, confusing, because, because life is filled with hidden times. But the question, my friends, is, is what do we do in those hidden times? You see, the reason why most people miss it is because in the hidden times, instead of trying to focus on what they need to do, they focus on complaining about the times. And the reason why this message is so challenging is because we live in a day and age where we think that if it's not visible, then it doesn't matter. So in this book, this woman gave us this premise of an iceberg. She said, you know that an iceberg, you only see 10% of the iceberg? but submerges the other 90%. The reason why icebergs are so powerful is because their strength is below. So powerful that he sunk the Titanic. Remember, I never let go. And then she did. No, it's worse than that. There was room next to her. There was plenty of room next to her go watch the movie again you'll be mad cause you're like you say Jack get, move over girl there's plenty of, if Jack was from the hood Jack be like yo move over we got room for three more of my cousins over here like move over but I digress So she says this in the book. It's really powerful. I pray you catch this. This is the key to your 2019. She says 10% visible plus 90% invisible equals an indestructible life. So my friends, the key is what do we do in those 90% of life? Because majority of life happens in the 90%. The reason why Jesus lived such a powerful life. That we only know 10% of it is, is because of how we spent the other 90%. The key to your life is how you're spending the 90% that no one sees. Because we live in an age of seeing. But you forget that what they're showing you is what they want you to see. The reality of social media is skewed. It's the right angle. It's the right filter. It's 20 tries before getting that right perspective. 
And here you are feeling bad for your life over the fact that someone just gave you a sliver of what they want you to see, but they didn't show you that they posted it because they feel insecure about themselves. My God. And here we are sucked into a lie of what life should be about. And you end up comparing yourself to other people's highlights. You want to live a powerful life. It's about the 90%. How you spend it. I am firmly convicted that the mark of a person is what they do when no one's watching. That's the true mark of a person. What do you do when there's no audience? Because social media has messed up our psyche. We're projecting things that are not real. Do you know why the depression rate is so high in our society? Because we really keep projecting things and images that are not real. To try to make ourselves feel better. Instead of, instead of going underneath and work on the 90% and let the 10% come out out of the 90. We reverse the trend. We spend 90% visibly and 10% under. That's why we have shallow lives. That's why any little thing throws us off. You know, the Bible says don't be thrown off by any wind of doctrine that comes your way. Why? Because if you're rooted and grounded, you're not going to go anywhere. Come hell or high water. I am rooted. 90% submerged into the will of God. So Jesus, my friends, was doing something in those hidden times. That's why we love the 10%. Because he was busy working on the 90%. And I want to prove it to you this morning. See, between 12 and 30 years old, Joseph disappears from the picture. And most historians agree that Joseph died between 12 and 30. That's why Jesus now has to step into the role of the man of the house. They had a business. Back in those days, you either do your father's business or you go to school. And Jesus was doing the business. Why? Because he tells you he was the son of a carpenter. So he had to step up as a man and run this house. And carpentry back in those days, it's not just wood. We're talking masonry. We're talking working with rocks and building cobblestone roads for the Romans. We're talking about hard labor, my friends. Too many people reduce Jesus to this cute philosophical guy who has beautiful, beautiful shampooed hair and, and uh, Mr. Rogers that doesn't do anything. No, Jesus was a, was a hard-working man. He was put in a position where he had to step up and run his house. From 12 to 13, he's a carpenter working every day with his hands. Working to provide for his family. Working to be a good citizen and in, 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 in learning his trade. Work on his craft, basically. Right? That's not the picture that we see. See, that's why I think if we reduce this thing to just Sunday morning, we miss the point. Jesus had Mondays, my friend. Jesus had struggles and battles. And remember, where he grew up, there was a stigma that he was conceived illegitimately. Jesus had to live with people's But he was focused. See, we overlook Jesus' humanity and we miss the point. Jesus was not a superhuman. Jesus grew into the person that he became by doing everyday, ordinary things. A thousand different ways, a thousand different times. Jesus had to be submerged into everyday life. So what you're reading is just the highlights. You're reading the sports center of Jesus' life. 
But the 90%, my friends, is where the rubber meets the road. I love this quote about the the Christian walk, the day-to-day. Watch this. Someone said this. A Christian does not always do extraordinary things. He does ordinary things in extraordinary ways. When we understand that it's about the now, we put everything we have into it. Because we know the now affects the later. You see, we live in a, in a time period where people want the final results, but no one wants to go through the process. That's why sometimes we can look back at 2018 and be like, yo, nothing happened. Well, you aims at nothing, hits at every single time. It's through growth and principles and disciplines that we get where we need to be. So Jesus didn't get to where he was by accident or mistake. See, I'm praying we understand this as a church. There's, there's magic and then there's faith. It's not the same thing. Magic is wishful thinking. Faith is putting your work into work so God can actually do something with it. That's why I think this message is so challenging because we love final products. But we don't want to be rooted and grounded. Don't you know what the first thing that happens to a seed when you put it down? That seed is suffocated into dying. But in dying, that seed will actually reproduce. Yeah. <laughs> My God. You don't look at that seed tomorrow. You got to look at that seed three months from now. You got to look at that seed six months from now and see what happened. But that seed had to die first. You got to die to yourself first if you want to see the will of God being done in your life. That's why people don't see it. Like they, some people come to church. It's like, ah, oh, what, what, nothing happened. Wait. You've been doing jacked up stuff for 35 years. You're thinking one day you're going to undo everything that God has done. You better get rooted and grounded in a church and stay there and grow there and submit there and let God begin to grow you. Hopping around from church to church like we are bunnies. But we want the fruits. Makes no sense, my friends. You got to be rooted and grounded. I tell people, if you're serious about God, don't take an inventory for at least nine months. It takes nine months to conceive a healthy child. It takes time to conceive something. You don't want that kid to come out of two months or three months or four months. We call that a premature baby. Do you know how many premature dreams we have? Premature churches, premature Christians, premature marriages. Because we don't stay on the ground. We don't let ourselves be buried so we can be planted, so we can be rooted, so we can be grounded. So when the Bible says, when the right season comes, you will bear fruit. It's like a tree planted by the streams of water. His roots are so deep that it's 90% deep. But we live in a 10% shallow society. That's why Jesus was so powerful. He's trying to teach us how to live a meaningful life. And he gave us clues of what he was doing in those 90%. This is where it gets good. This is where it gets exciting. When people tell me they're bored with church, I'm like, yeah, but try Jesus. Try living on the edge of faith. Try living on edge of things that he's going to, because he's going to tell you to do some things, and you're like, whoa, that sounds a little crazy. You want me to give 10000 I don't have $10,000, but guess what? When you step out of faith, watch what God will do when he says to do things that normally you wouldn't do because you're just doing the cute religious thing. Oh, you did it. Oh, yeah. Bless the Lord. No, get on faith with Jesus. gotta walk this walk it's gotta be real my friends i don't want to waste my time doing cute religious things i want to live indestructible lives even when he died he was indestructible 
Because he was doing the will of God. Too many people scared of dying but never lived. If you're busy living, you will never be afraid of dying. And he gives you clues. Listen, let me go back to when he was in trouble with his parents. 12-year-olds, there's hope for you. Jesus got in trouble with his parents. And look, I'm going to pick it up right in the middle. When they found him, verse 48, his parents didn't know what to think. Son, you know you're in trouble when your mom calls you by your full name. I don't know what Jesus' full name was. It's not, listen, people think his last name was Christ. No, that's his title. (laughs) Jesus Christ. No, Christ means Messiah, the title. No, that's not his last name. Okay. But I know us K-Verdians, when my my wife called one of my kids by the full name, I'm like, oh, it's on. (laughs) It is. Y'all are in trouble. I'm that weird parent. Like, I'm like, yo, it's about to go down. Because I remember those days. When my dad walked in and locked the door, oh, hello, somebody. <laughs> it was, oh, my dad had this, this brush, but it was, it was a weapon. Because it was, it was like this big around, and he would go, which hand? I'm like, neither. <laughs> neither one of them. And then you close your hand, and he hits your knuckles, and it's like opens up, and pow! <laughs> my God! If you don't believe in God, you believe in God in those moments. <laughs> but listen, he said, son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But Jesus said, but why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Another version says, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? Twelve years old, coming into his own. Saying, this is, this is what I do. It's what I came to do. And you know that every Christian is supposed to be about their father's business? We're supposed to take this thing called the church and, and run with it? We don't go to it. We are it. We are it. I'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks when we celebrate five years. It's going to get even more bumpier uh, at five. Because I don't know about you. After putting in five years, we have the right to say some things. I'm just saying. We earned it. But they didn't understand what he meant. Would you understand? Imagine your 12 year old's like, Mom, don't you know I've been my father's been? You're like, I'm your business. What you mean? Right? But watch this. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. I love that. Some things is not for the public. Some things are not for the public. Because if this was today, it's like, guys, look at Jesus. He's two today. Look at my baby. He's smiling at all your babies. Look at Jesus. He's wearing his first sandals today. Jesus got his first tools today. I'm going to get in trouble today. That y'all talking about, and I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just saying, some things, 
a better store in our hearts. Some things are better submerged. I can't even do a message without someone pull out their phones and put me on YouTube. I don't know what I'm talking to, but there's a phone out right now, I guarantee you. But watch this. This is a great verse. This is the verse that if you don't read the Bible like you hooked on Fonis, you'll miss it. Jesus grew. That will preach, my friends. We think he just arrived. No, he grew. He's not a superhuman. He grew into who he was supposed to be. How did he grow? In wisdom and in stature or maturity and in favor or grace with God and all the people. My friends, you want to have a great life? You got to grow. You got to grow. How do you grow? You submerge yourself. Not everything needs to be visible. It's funny because sometimes I hear jokes like, man, you got a great gig. You work on Sundays. I'm like, only if you knew. I don't have a nine to five. I have a calling. And that's 24 hours a day. (laughs) Only if you knew. By the way, one message takes me about 10 to 12 hours a week to prepare. Between praying and, and reading and researching and praying again and reading and researching, 10 to 12 hours condensed to f- maybe 40 minutes. It's, Thank you. it's submerged, my friends. It's submerged. When I teach at the ministry school, the kids always ask you, what's the secret? The secret is 90% submerged. The secret is the fact that I don't get up here without a prayer life, without studying, without researching, without doing the hard work behind the scenes. I don't fast once a year. I fast every month. Why? Because I want to be submerged in the will of God. This ain't a joke for me. This ain't a gig. It's a calling. 90% submerged. Because we think if we don't show it, then it didn't happen. That's why we show you the financial report because, you, you know, people are like, they just want your money. It's like, do you know what goes into building a church and helping people? It's 90% submerged. The problem is everybody wants the 10 without the 90. What we've done is we reversed that. We play 90 and then we want 10. Superficial. He gives you clues here. Here's what he was doing in his hidden moments. He was growing. He was growing. Did you notice, did you catch the key areas where he was growing in? First of all, it tells you he was obedient to his parents. As a Jewish kid, he knew the Ten Commandments. And he knew that obeying and honoring your parents is the only commandment that comes with a promise. Look. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God's given you. You know how many people have died prematurely because they never honored, they didn't obey, and they went on their way, and they left the umbrella of protection over them, and they end up short-circuiting their life. I don't mean just dying physically. I mean dying emotionally, dying spiritually, because we didn't honor the very authority that God put in our lives to honor. Because when God says honor, it's because he's got a promise behind it. He wants to bless your life. He wants to lead you. He wants to prosper you. Honor. 
I can tell you very quickly what's wrong with our society. It's a lack of honor. We don't honor parents. We don't honor teachers. We don't honor the cops. We don't honor the pastors. And we wonder why our lives is in such a mess. Tell you right now, young people, you want to have a great life? Start honoring. Church is not on Sunday. Church starts at home. Our home is where you become the man and the woman that God created you to be. And if we're honest, some of us are in our 30s and 40s still reaping the consequences of not honoring. Because what you reap is because you sowed. Honor is a big deal, my friends. Also, people are like, that's my pastor. No, I'm not your pastor if you don't honor, if you don't obey. I'm just the guy who does nice speeches. The Bible says submit to your authorities. Why? Because they're there to labor for you, to help you live the light life that God has called you to live. When you go and do your own thing and then call it blessed, God's not going to bless what he's not honored first. We live in a time of spiritual independence. And we forget where that came from. It came from the day that Adam and Eve decided to go against the will of God. Became disobedient. But what do we say nowadays? We don't even realize it. We say things like, I'll do whatever I want to do. Don't you know who you're agreeing with? We want to live great lives, but we want to try to construct a life that we have made shift, made, created our own commandments to live by. And when we don't, when we don't measure up to God's commandment, what do we do? We compare each other. We say, at least I'm not like... I told you it's going to get bumpy today. But if you're serious about having a great life, start obeying the Lord and what his commandments and what he says to do. Because it's not about how you feel. It's about what you do with what you feel that's actually going to bring honor and blessings to your life. Here's the son of God saying, I'm going to obey. And this wasn't the only time. He didn't have to be baptized. He's like, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to submit. I'm going to show you. Because what he was doing, he was showing you. Here's how you do it. Everything Jesus did was calculated to show you this. You want to live a blessed life? This is how you do it. Obedience is better than sacrifice, the Bible says. I'm going to be honest. The reason why most church people don't get blessed, they don't obey. Like when we're done here, if you don't put the stuff into practice, you're not going to see Jack. And I don't mean one time. I mean like the 90% of hidden times where no one's watching. Are you obeying? Are you honoring? Do you honor with your lips? Do you honor with your heart? Do you honor? Tomorrow morning when you go to work, do you honor your boss? If you ever put yourself in your boss situation, to say, man, how is, it, how is it like to be a supervisor? How is it like to be a manager? It must be really difficult. I'm not going to be one to make your life difficult. I'm going to come alongside of you and honor you and help you in this process of leading a better life. And we can have a better company. The more people honor, the more people respect, the more people bless, God will come and bless that company. Because I believe it with all my heart. You don't, just go to, you don't just go to work. You're supposed to represent God where you work. But we've made obedience like this antiquated thing. We made it cool to disrespect the cops. And we wonder why our nation is in the shambles. We made it cool to bless the president. Whether he's right or not, he's got an office. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to ask God to bless him and to help him make right decisions. Because I don't want to side with the wrong people. 
Because the Bible says every office is given by God. If you don't agree with that, take it up with God. And I'm not Democrat, I'm not Republican. I'm a kingdom citizen who happens to live on this earth. He grew in obedience. When we say tithe, it's an obedience thing. And those who do, see the results. He grew in obedience, and then he grew in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Young people, can I tell you something? Show me your friends right now, I'll show you your future. This is going to be a hard truth right here. I believe this with all my house, reflecting on this over the weekend. The reason why most of us don't live significant lives, we conform to our surroundings. We conform to mediocrity. Even though in us we know, man, I should be better than this. But what do we do? We don't want to stand out. We don't want our friends to be like, oh, you think you're better than me? You think you're this and that? We worry more about staying in mediocrity than to get out of it and say, man, I'm going to live my life for the fullness. You may come with me or not, but I'm going to live my life. (laughs) I had this revelation. I hope my friends don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) But we were in college. A bunch of us always hung out. Good people. But I'll never forget that day. It was one of those moments, man. It was like... We're watching a movie, we're hanging out, we're having a good time, maybe like 12, 15 of us, like the Christian Hu-Tang, you know, just... <laughs> and I had this epiphany, my friends, I'm dead serious. I had this moment, I, I had this moment inside, I never told them this, I'm going to say it now, this is, you know, years later, so hopefully we're good. But I was sitting there going... Hmm. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I got goals. I, I need to like stop making some moves. This is all internal happening. Us, I'm, t- I'm like, these are good people. These are my buddies, man. We got safe together and all this stuff. But I'm like, if we keep doing this, what are we putting our time and energy into? And so quietly, I begin to make my own moves. I got a second job, I started working a second job, and I started seeing this girl named Lindsay. I'm like, yo, I've been here. You don't, fellas, you don't think that, you think God's going to trust you with one of his best if you're not putting in work to, 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 to make sure that he's going to bless you? No wonder you keep getting lame. People are like, oh, I want to get married. Get a job. Show God how serious you are. Start acting like you're married already. Stop being faithful to yourself and to God already. And we spend majority of our time praying for that person instead of praying to be the person that we're praying for. Oh, y'all don't want to live a good life. Y'all just, y'all are playing games. You got to make moves. Got a second job next to, you know, she started looking my way. I was like, hey. But guess what? Some of my boys didn't approve. I've been married for 13 years. And you know what? I tell my boys straight up, because I, I talk the way I, you see me here, that's how I try to be. I tell them, like, sometimes I remember when I got married, oh, I'm like, yo, this is new focus. 
I ain't got time to be playing ball with you. I have a family. The reason why some marriages don't work, you never made up your mind that you're married. You're still living like a bachelor. And I remember some of them were like, yo, you whooped. I'm like, yeah, I'm going home. Where are you going? You got to go to Blockbuster. Blockbuster days. <laughs> you got to go try to find a movie. You want to go night night? My friend, wisdom is know what to do with the information. Wisdom is not knowledge. Our world is filled with people who are knowledgeable, but couldn't tell you how to take a cab. Wisdom is what you do with the information and the experience. That's wisdom, my friend. The fear of the Lord. This, no one talks about this anymore. We always talk about the grace of the Lord, but there's no grace without fear. Fear here is not like fear of hell. It's respect. It's honor. It's reverence. It's, it's having a healthy mindset that he's God. I'm not. I'm just this little thing on earth, but somehow he wants to bless my life. We reverse that like, I'm God. Bless me. No, the fear of the Lord, man. Fools despise wisdom. That's why people, you can, t- two minutes you know who's a fool. Ah, the church thing. Ah, it's like, fool, fool, full alert, full alert, full alert. Full alert. You don't say it out loud, but you're like, full alert. And you hope one day they wake up to the reality that, no, actually you're the fool. And fools despise wisdom and discipline. People are like, I just want to live a great life. I want to get a job. I want to buy a house. Discipline. Talking to some of my young people, I got them together. I said, I need to talk to you. I gathered all the millennials that I could. (laughs) On a Saturday at the office, I said, can I talk to you guys about life? Start saving money. I said, I see you guys going to Starbucks every other day. A Starbucks drink is like (laughs) $8.95. Times seven days a week. You could be saving for your future already. You say you're serious about a husband? Well, stop showing him that you can take care of your money, that you don't need him, girlfriend, that you can run your thing. It's wisdom. And here's what we do. We say, I don't have enough. No, no, no. You're not working with what you have. Oh, I, I don't, I'm going to give you a whole lesson on finances. But you got to work with what you have and have a plan. And put your head down. Don't look at anybody else. Just say, Lord, this is my life. This is what you have for me. I'm going to focus and I'm going to build this future. One of the most powerful things you can do in this 21 days of fast. I hope you all do it. It's powerful, man. One of the first thing you need to do, if you're serious, you got to go zero dark 30 on all social media. Like, God, I don't want to hear anybody else. I don't want to look at anybody else's stuff. I just need to focus 21 days on you and your will and purpose and watch what God will direct your steps. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. I, I fear God, my friends. I do. I know we don't, you know, we like the, you know, he left the 99 for the one. Yeah, he left. I'm feeling some type of way, so excuse me. He left it for a sheep, not a goat. If you don't know the difference, the Bible says he has relationships with sheep, not with goats. All right? So we can't be messing around and doing whatever we want to do and think God's going to come after you. Now we sometimes say, no, you come. You need to come home and do my will and do my purpose. Telling you, man, it's some messed up theology to look at God just one way. 
He's graceful, but he's holy. You can't live in sin and expect God to bless your life. It's not going to happen. Wisdom is what you do with what you're getting. See, I believe this with all my heart. If you take what we give you here, 52 Sundays a week, there's no way you can't live a blessed life, but you got to put it into practice. Because sometimes we're preaching, your mind is somewhere else. And you don't even realize, wow, the enemy is taking you away from this moment so you don't get the seeds you need for this moment to plant and get rooted and get grounded in the things that God wants to do in your life. When you look back 52 Sundays later, you can say, look what the Lord has done in my life. Look how much I've come, how much I've grown over the years. He keeps going. Look, he grew in maturity. That's another word. I love the scripture from Paul. He said, look, when I was a child... I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Some of us need to put away childish things. I'm trying to preach and some of y'all are on your phone. That's childish. You're losing this very moment. But we think we're so mature. Missing moments. Why do everybody get offended nowadays? It's just childish moves. Our feelings haven't grown up. We're 30, but our feelings are still 12. That's why we're like, I'm not your friend anymore. I'm not going to that church anymore. You know what the pastor said? I'm offended. Why don't you get offended at your own immaturity and do something about it? I tell you, too many people making childish moves. Uprooting themselves before time from relationships, from jobs, from churches, prematurely making moves because our feelings can't handle the heat. We can't handle being corrected. I remember the time I was corrected. I was still very immature. I still have wisdom. Pray for me. But I remember my beginning of my walk with the Lord some 20 years ago. My pastor loved me enough to tell me the truth about some stuff. And I remember how I responded. I was like, man, I'm a man of God. I say the right things, but my heart was in the right place. You ever done that? You smiled, you waved, but you... <laughs> Funny thing is now I'm the pastor, and I see that all the time. God's got a sense of humor. Yeah, pastor, I got you. See you on Facebook. Too real, too real. But I remember going home, because I read this thing every day. By the way, if you read three chapters a day, you'll read the whole thing in a year. I went home to do my Bible reading, because I'm a spiritual man. And the first verse I read that day, Proverbs 12, one said, he who hates correction is stupid. So I was like, get behind me, Satan. But it can't be Satan, it's God's word. Are you tracking, my friends? So that day I made a vow before God. I said, God, whatever it takes, rebuke me, correct me, mold me, shape me. Just don't pass me by. I don't want to be another average human being. Whatever you got to do. Even coming here, I said, Pastor, I'm not going to do this without you. That's what it means to have authority. It's not, I'm going to do my thing and then say, Pastor, would you bless it? No, I said, Pastor, I'm not going anywhere without you. 
I still talk to him every week. Talk to him last night, meeting with him this week. He's my spiritual covering. He's my mentor. That's what it means to have authority over you. And I believe this church is blessed because I honor authority. I honor those who came before me, and I still honor them. Go to the grave with that. Because Satan disobeyed authority. And that's why our world is in chaos. Listen, my friends, maturity is putting away some things. Maturity is not letting your feelings dictate your day. You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer. Our church, this church is blessed. It's blessed. But we could have had two, 3,000 people easy if people were mature enough to get rooted and grounded and stay and let God build you, mold you, shape you. People get too easily offended, not realizing, what if God wants to offend you? You ever thought about that? What if God says, I don't like the way you're living? But all we hear is, he's condemning me, judging me. We'd rather be condemned and judged and live an average life than to be corrected and rebuked to get up and live a great life. I'm telling you. Why is so marriages? Every other day, we got a prayer request about marriages in trouble. Why? Because we didn't grow up in our feelings yet. Just have married now. I got to put away childish things. We're fighting over dumb stuff. My friends, 2019, it's time to grow a little bit. I know we're not there yet, but we can be on our way. We can be on our way. And here's the last one today, man. He grew in grace. This blows my mind. Study in this. Jesus himself grew in grace. Not saving grace, but the grace to know who he is. My God, there's no better grace. The grace to run your own race. When he got baptized, God the Father said this over him. The Father said, look, this is my dear loved son. No, stay where you are. What are you doing? Grace. This is my dear loved son who brings me great joy. I wish I had time to break this down. This is so powerful. What God the Father was saying, before you go out and do anything, you don't have to prove yourself. Because most of us grow up with father complexes. We're still trying to prove ourselves. We're still trying to say we're worth it. I do it too. My father was an alcoholic. I still have to wrestle with that at 40 years old. Still have to wrestle with wounds from the past. But you got to come to grace and know that your heavenly father says, no, you don't have anything to prove to me. You don't have to have, you know, this much money in the bank or this car or this house. I love you already. My friends, there's nothing more powerful than live life from a place of love already. You're already loved. You're already accepted. You're already approved by God. All he wants to do now is see him take your life to a whole nother level as you walk in this love. In this love. God's not mad at you. God's not upset with you. God's not trying to make you prove anything. He's just saying, I love you for who you are, but I refuse you to leave you that way. I want you to be more and more like my son, Jesus. That's the grace of God. So he was saying, before you do one miracle before you preach one message I love you already that's good news because all of us are trying to earn our love we think we have to earn it that's why people say things like I'm a good person you're trying to earn God's grace 
And sometimes we have a bad week. We say, I can't go to church. You know what I did? My friends, that's all the reasons to say, no, I need to go get the grace of God over my life. I need his love to wash over me, to cleanse me, to purify me. We're never going to be good enough. That's the point of grace. You know what church did wrong, Capital C Church? We thought if we have programs every day of the week, people will be holy. So we decided we're going to have, you know, prayer on Monday, Bible study on Tuesday, you know, missions on Wednesday, uh, choir on Thursday, and youth on Friday, and more. And and you know what we did? We overloaded people with work and no grace. That's why we say in this church, we're not doing that. The grace of God will empower you. When you get out of here, you can go live the life he called you to live. We don't have to have stuff every day of the week. That's knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. You need wisdom to go live out the life God's called you to live by his grace. By his grace. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He just loves you, period. And he wants to grace you for your race. Ah, man. Are you guys good? Because... I know there's a lot here, but man, it's the last time we get to be together this year. Can I show you the last part? He, he didn't just grow in grace with God. He grew in grace with people. This is so critical. He grew in grace with people. Because you can't say you love God, but you don't love people. The Bible goes as far as saying, if you say you love God, but you don't love the people you see every day, you might be a liar. As the church grows, there's more people. Where there's people, there's problems. But what do mature people do? They don't see people as problems. They see people as opportunities. It's an opportunity. So my prayer, my prayer for this church and for me is that God can work on us so we can see people the way Jesus saw them. Look, he saw the crowds, people. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. My friend, that's grace, not just for me, but for you. If I know how hard this life is and I know my battles, man, I'm going to have grace for you. One of the things that I heard this year It's like, oh, man, people don't get it. I'm like, no, you don't get it. You know why you don't get it? Because people are the ministry. People are the ministry. If we miss that, we miss the boat. We miss the boat. We missed it completely. Because the whole point is doing it in you. He wants to do through you. So others can be blessed. Are we serious about growing? Because this is what it takes. This is the 90%. This is the 90% submerged, hidden, no one sees. Nothing says more about what you believe in God or how you treat people. The reason why most people don't get God, they get religion because they categorize people. Say, this one belongs, that one doesn't belong, this one is this, this. God doesn't see that. He says, I see them with compassion. That's what we need to pray. That's an inside job that the Holy Spirit has to do. To change the way I see people. Tomorrow when you go to work, first thing you do, get to your cubicle. 
bow your head and say, God, help me to see everyone today the way you see them. They're in a battle just like I am. They, your supervisor's yelling. Why? She's probably hurt. She's never had anyone to come along and say, like, how can I pray for you? You want to disarm people? Ask them, how can I pray for you? They don't know what to do with that. Someone's yelling at you. It's like, I'm sorry, but is it, can I pray for you? I just feel like you're going through some things. Can I pray for you? I told you how sometimes when people are upset with the church for whatever reason, they'll go on Facebook and they'll wild out, right? They're hurt. It hurt. Recently, I had two people who did that quietly on the side said to me, can you please accept my apology? I was wrong. But I'm like, I wish you can go live and say that the way you say the other thing. <laughs> but I'll take it. Because hurt people will hurt people. But guess what? When you heal, you bring healing to others and you help others get healed. I believe this is how we can have a great year. Growing in the hidden moments. Putting away social media and say, God, I need to live my life. If I'm going to post something, it needs to be from a place of healing. A place of purpose. Because I need someone to get this. This morning, I posted on my Instagram story that every single Sunday for the last five years before I come here, I have a place that I meet with Jesus. You know why I posted I said, maybe someone could be inspired to do the same thing. You get more out of church if you spend time with Jesus before you even come. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.